Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you joined us. And I'm excited to have Jaron Myers here with us today. Yeah. Jaron, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Jaron is a professional comedian. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think only the second professional comedian that I have interviewed on Spirituality Adventures, the first being a friend of yours, Aaron Scarborough. Yep. So, uh, so little, little who is also just one a wonderful person but even other than comedian very talented artist just in general right insane i want to get some of his art for my yeah. space because i he posts it and i, I yeah, yeah i like i like what he's doing yeah i i will always talk up aaron he's wonderful yeah 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 so um but yeah and then i just want to say this you like your social media presence is mm -hmm. huge like yeah. Like you, you it's have nice. it right there on your website. <laughs> yeah. How many millions um, of people are, that's probably me. Oh, that is an iPad. And it's ringing. I, I've got my phone off, but it's ringing on my iPad. I, I forgot to turn my iPad off. I was worried that was me for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to put it on. It's on uh, Do Not Disturb though. Oh, well. Weird. Yeah, yeah, I'm not just sure mute why. It. Here, mute the iPad, though, in case it happens again. That's okay. You were, doing the right, you were doing the right thing. You were doing the right, No, no, go back to what you were doing. Do you not have Apple stuff? Nice, there you go. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, include this whole thing in here, right. by the way. Exactly. Yeah, I really want, you know. Me talking mm -hmm. down to Matt in there. Of yeah. Like, what are you, an yeah. idiot? Don't you're you know what you're a, doing, dude? You're using an like, iPad before? Come on. This is an iPad. This thing called, this company called Apple. And yeah. Yeah. They have a All right. show called Severance. All right. Um, so your social media presence. Yes. Yeah, is yeah. quite impressive. Thank like, you. I'm, I'm thinking like of all the people I've interviewed, um, you, you're killing it. Thank you. Yeah, That's I've been working awesome. really hard. Yeah. Like a social um, media rock star. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that it's, uh, you know, once you kind of realize it's a game um, and there's strategies that work and don't work, it's yeah. super fun. Yeah, you, I need coaching really, really badly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that I'll coach you and then you'll do that and then Instagram will change it. Yeah, well, that's and true. And so yeah. for me, part of the game that I've enjoyed is doing the figuring out what's going to work this week. And what, and then that's just trial and error and, and yeah. failing a lot and messing yeah. up. But but yeah, you're uh, so what what was uh, what was one of the first things that put you on the social media map? What was yeah. one of your first things that went viral? Um, there was. Yeah, the Chick-fil-A video is probably my top. Um, so it's a Chick-fil-A rap I did. Um, I watched the music it. Video. Did you watch it's it? It's fun. Yeah, oh, it's so we set fun. a real car on fire. You know, I was like, there's no way this doesn't yeah. go viral. And that so was 2017. How to, how to watch this. Oh yeah, 2017. If you, if you Google Chick-fil-A rap, we are the. it's the top thing that pops up. Okay. And so um, it is a music video 
video I did. And did you write that whole thing? So I actually, so I am a very big proponent of do what you're good at and then what you're not good at, find someone who is. Uh-huh. And so I am uh, a white kid from the Midwest who yeah. I'm not great at rap. <laughs> um, and so I, but I got a friend who's so talented. And so I was like, hey, here's this idea I've got. Here's kind of a verse structure I've got. Can you help me make this worthy of uh, music, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to make rap and it be like, ugh. okay. So I had my buddy who's a, who's a real like professional rapper help me write this. And okay. we sat in his house and he made the beat. And then he looked at my lyrics and was like, this is dumb. Um, <laughs> but he kind of like reworded it so that it flowed really well. Yeah. And then, so he helped me write it. His name is uh, JJ. He goes by Joseph J dollar sign PH. Okay. His music's phenomenal. So that's a plug All for right. him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he lives in Dallas I need to now. Get him. Oh, he's in Dallas. So I know, but he'll come, he'll come up yeah. here and do it. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. great. He's got a, he and his wife have an amazing story, cool. but, um, yeah, so he helped me write that, and uh, so I wanted to make sure it was good music, and I wanted to make sure it was a good video. I didn't want to do anything cheesy. I didn't want to, like, you know, if I, there's been some things where we make and we just don't put it out. I go, that's not good. I don't want to put it so out. So did, did you have to get permission from Chick-fil-A? Well, we should have. Thing? Yeah, <laughs> we should have done that. Um, so we, with the Chick-fil-A we filmed it at, uh, it, he should have, the operator should have asked his directors and they probably would have said no. Um, but he said, yeah. And so we got, we asked on our end, we said, yeah. Hey, is this okay? Uh-huh. You know, is this okay to do? Here's yeah. the lyrics. Here's the song. Here's the video are we good to go? Right. Um, so we did our due diligence, uh, which meant that they couldn't sue us. And so then a couple of days after it comes out, I got a call from a, an Atlanta number that I did not know. Yeah. And she was like, hi, my name is Kristen with Chick-fil-A PR. Oh, uh, <laughs> just curious where you filmed this. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember telling her, I said, you're calling me on my private cell phone number. I said, I, I think, you know, and uh, I'm going to call you back in like 10 minutes. And she was like, okay. And I called my lawyer friend. And oh, I said, am, wow. I, am I in trouble? That's hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and it, even the operator of the store was like, they're overreacting to this. This is annoying. Um, Did it go viral? Like immediately, immediately, which was not really the plan. My goal was Mm -hmm. to get 1 million views in this thing. And we hit that within like eight hours of it being up. It was ridiculous. And that was 2017. That was like, yeah, yeah. It was, and it was on YouTube. I put it on YouTube. Is that where it went viral? uh, Facebook's where it really went viral. Yeah. That was when Facebook was kind of dominating the video game. Okay. Um, And so, and it got great views on YouTube, but then another page shared it. So even if Chick-fil-A was like, you need to delete this, like mm-hmm. even if I deleted it, that it other page gone. would share. Yeah, it's it was, already out there. It. Their share of it got 36 million views. Um, this other, so now, I mean, five years later and I've posted it on TikTok and all that stuff, altogether that video alone has like 120 million views on that's it. That's so insane. Which is, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a Super Bowl. You that's know? crazy. And so that's crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that was that was 2017. <laughs> and I had been doing comedy for about three years. But that that really kind of launched into a different season of yeah. that, you know. Yeah. So let's so let's back up a little bit because okay. folks who don't know you, that at least gives them sure. a little teaser, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I, I always like to get a little bit of your origin story and like yeah. where were you born? Sure. You know, growing up, family stuff, some of some of just your yeah. family background and um, your faith background, sure. things like that. Sure. Well and I then, grew up then in we're jump back into the into that. World. Yeah. Oh, how yeah. that grew into this yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 I grew up in Mount Vernon, Missouri, small town. Um, really proud of where I'm from. I like it a lot. Uh, my mom went to high school there and she graduated. And so she was a single mom, uh, had me when she was 22, which is crazy. 
because uh, I'm 28, which would mean I would have a I would have a six year old right now. That's bonkers to me. Um, and so she and my dad got married when I was six. They got married about my age, and uh, yeah, we stayed in Mount Vernon. I you know it's a town where everybody knows everybody. I grew up going to the elementary school, and and the teachers were her friends from high school. You know, yeah. and so you know everyone really did know everybody, and. Um, yeah. So I, when I was in fourth grade, I think, uh, they joined with another family and started a really small church. And when I say like really small, I mean like 28 people. Wow. Um, did you have siblings? I had one other one. Yeah. So my parents got married when I was six. They had my brother when I was seven. Okay. And so it's just me and him. And so, okay. but that's a seven year age difference, you know? Yeah. And so that's my youngest sister is seven years younger than me. It's a so, gap. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of like you're in elementary, junior or high school. Yes. You know? When I'm in, you know, now, going, it's, now it's nothing, but now, now we're like, we're cool and yeah, he's yeah. great. I love him a lot. And, but we just, we just didn't have the, you know, he lived his high school years as a single kid, mm. you know? So, and I lived my, elementary like I grew up mm -hmm. in my in my form, formative years as a only child yeah and so we just yeah there was some things that didn't really uh I, I would I wish that we were closer you know mm -hmm. um but yeah. were you into sports or into any I played baseball um, kind of stuff yeah I did that when I got into high school I didn't do sports as much I was a drama kid okay um, so I did I did drama and uh, which is great because that's what I do for a living yeah. now um, and then I was a choir kid as well I was in band I did all the arts stuff so okay. um, really excelled and that's what my all my scholarships were is music scholarships so um, what was your family faith background, if anything? Yeah, I was gonna say, so when I was in fourth grade, um, they started that small church. Um, I, I went, my grandma was kind of the, um, you know, pick, pick me up on Sunday morning and take me to her old Baptist church that she played piano at for 30 years kind of thing. Um, and my parents didn't really go until, well, I was about fourth grade and, uh, when I say there was 28 people at that church, I mean like half of it was the pastor's family, like his kids and then their kids. And so uh, it was really that whole family and then our family and then like one or two other families. And so we did that through my sophomore year of high school. So fourth grade, all of middle school, we were part mm -hmm. of that church. Um, and it was it was a good church. I, you know, it was, it was a very family oriented, you know, we were always at their house kind of church, but my parents weren't really, um, I think the way that my mom would describe it now is she, she's very much like they tried to do the church thing. Like dad's the leader of the household, you know? And even though they weren't really faith oriented people and they weren't really, they weren't doing a private study on their own. You know, they weren't, prayer wasn't a part of our family's life, you know? but church was very much part of our family's life. So we would go to church, but then outside of that, we weren't really. Yeah. It, yeah. Like you were digging into the Bible and figuring out theology. And yeah. All that kind of stuff. And I would say, even when I got into high school, like I got really into faith because uh, yeah. cause I got uh, invited to a youth group that um, I felt like I really connected with. And so I was digging into my faith and through high school. And then I even went to a Christian college um, and my parents would say this, like in high school, I kind of became like the, spiritual charge of our house. It was sure. like, Hey, let's like, I'm really interested. I'm asking questions that they, they were like, uh, you know? Yeah. And so I think that they kind of started to do some private study and trying to, they're just, um, 
not to speak for my parents, they, we've done a lot of work as a family, um, but I think that both of my parents were people who were very much just like the stuff it inside mm -hmm. and make it look good on the outside kind of stuff, mm -hmm. which is what I mean. Like they did the Dave Ramsey stuff when I was in middle school. They did the stuff that was their church, you know, really kind of expected them to do. And when I was a sophomore in high school, we didn't have a youth group at my fa my small family church. Mm -hmm. It was me and that other kid that I grew up with. And so when I got invited to a different youth group, they needed a drummer. And I was like, I can drum, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I went to that youth group and that was one where um, I think the youth pastor, even though he made some of the, the cliche youth pastor mistakes, like they did a hell's bell series. Like don't, don't listen to, <laughs> don't listen to yeah. secular music, right. you know, th those kind of like back, back masking and yeah, you know, that. he got yeah, saved. Yeah. My youth pastor got saved at a, like a nineties crusade yeah. kind of. And so he was, and he had like a very dramatic one eighty yeah. story, you know, I got rid of all my best rock albums. At Did one you? Point in That's my what I'm saying. Yeah. And now I wish I had them all back. Right. right? I know like a whole thing. It. I can't unburn those. Like I had that and I had that and I had that. For real, it was, you know, even though he had those kind of moments as a youth pastor, you mm -hmm. know, like a little bit of like, a, cause he did, he really did the 180 kind of thing and his story was very dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, I think that he, he just genuinely wanted to see students thrive, you know? Yeah. And so he, um, yeah, our youth group grew like crazy. And, and that was one where I really made friends and we did the weird overzealous Midwest Christian kid thing where we're like, we're going to save our whole town, you know, mm -hmm. and got really into that whole thing. And so there was some, some clunky discipleship as I would, sure. as, as I would call it, where, you know, you go from being like, yeah, I go to church to all of a sudden being like, my whole life revolves around it and I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, which not a bad thing, but I think it just kind of went from one extreme to another. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that was, that was high school. I went to evangel university, Christian school in Springfield. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a flagship AG school assembly of God mm -hmm. school. Yeah. I grew up Baptist. Right. So then I go to an AG school where, right. uh, they're rolling around on the floor with no shoes on. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah. it was it's an still, adjustment. Still good education. Great school. Good Loved sport it. programs. Yep. You yeah. Know. It was a good I, college I experience. A lot of kids have gone there. Yeah. Yeah. I would suggest yeah. it. I would suggest it. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest it the same way that I suggest any college though. Now I tell <laughs> students like, Hey, Cause I talk, I, you know, I talk to a lot of young kids and I say, mm -hmm. if, if you don't know what you're going for, don't do that. You know? Yeah. Um, or if you're going to go to school, the biggest thing I wish I knew was no one taught me time management. No one, when I was growing up, no one taught me time management skills. Mm. And so when I got into college, I'm trying to hang out with all these friends and do the campus life stuff. And then like, I was like staying up till 3 a.m. writing a paper, but you know, cause no one taught me if you commit this 45 minutes to this task, mm -hmm. it'll get done, you know? Yeah. But instead I spent four hours like, you know, talking with friends and then writing the paper in between doing the whole, you know, so I wasn't a good student. I flunked out of school, uh, <laughs> which was fine. Well, and you don't flunk out of evangel, just so you know, you, yeah. uh, you can't flunk out of a Christian college. They just, your admissions counselor sits down and just goes, keep paying the bill. Well, they, stay, right? well, they say, <laughs> just... they go, you should, you should pray about what God has for you. Right. You're right. And that's their way of being yeah. like, I don't know if this is it, you know, yeah. like we've been praying for you and yeah. we think that you should take a couple right. semesters off. Right. <laughs> and so, um, Your mom's the only person on the planet that thinks you're a good student. Yeah. Well, and even she didn't, she <laughs> had the conversation. I got home and they were like, that was, that was kind of the pivotal thing that got me into what I'm doing. Is, yeah. So let's talk that. Uh, sure. Like what? Yeah. So you, you literally 
like flush out of evangel. Yeah, I really did. So okay. I uh, wasn't a great student. I also had like a lot of life kind of things. Like, you know, when I'm talking about that overzealous kind of faith thing, it was really much a... Um, do the right things, be the right kind of Christian guy, like highlight the, highlight the Bible, tweet the Bible verses, be the good Christian kid on campus. I didn't drink, didn't cuss, didn't smoke, did all the right stuff, you know? Um, but I didn't have a mature faith that would prepare me for, um, you know, when you're, when you're 21 and you go through that breakup with the girl you thought you were going to marry, you know, mm -hmm. um, cause you're 21 and a Christian and you're just like, yeah, yeah that's what I'm supposed to do. And you go through this breakup and you don't have friends who who are wise enough to help counsel you through things, you know? And, uh, and you didn't, and my family, my parents were because they were such stuff it down people. We didn't have good communication. Mm -hmm. So I, when I, when I was flunking out of college, uh, going through a really bad breakup where she then started dating my best friend, ah. you know, so I didn't have, right. And so it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, I don't have, a good relationship with my parents. So there was no one to talk to and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, and my faith was very like, I had the kind of faith that worked when life was working well. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, and I would say a lot of people had that as well. When the pandemic happened, a lot of people had a faith that works really well when everything's going smooth. Mm -hmm. And then the, something like the pandemic happens mm -hmm. where life is not smooth anymore. And yeah. the faith that they were holding on to didn't hold up. Yeah. Right. And so that's where I found myself in college. And so, um, I took a semester off to kind of find myself, you know, yeah. figure out what I was doing. Right. Um, and I was on staff at a great church at the time, North Point Church in Springfield. Um, still a church I would say is, is my home church. Mm. Um, and, uh, Jeremy Johnson, phenomenal pastor. Um, but I was on staff there. So I was doing the youth worship and I told all my friends from Evangel, I said, Hey, I'll come lead worship at your church on a weekend. Like tell your pastors, I'll do that. I was working at Subway, mm -hmm. you know, making sandwiches, leading worship on a Wednesday night, getting paid, I think it was $200 a week from the church, you know, and then Subway paid, I don't know, $9 an hour. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and uh, a pastor in Kansas City at the time called me and said, uh, hey, we, we have a Valentine's banquet and we heard you do some funny songs. Cause I, for the talent show at Evangel, I'm, you know, I did a couple like Fat My Girl on Craigslist kind of okay. just silly songs. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got like three or four of those. And he said, well, we just need somebody to do some stuff during dinner for our Valentine's night. Can you come <laughs> do that for, for $200 in a hotel room? And I was like, okay. yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so my first comedy show was a paid gig. Wow. And, uh, it was here in Kansas city. It was, so before you started doing that yeah. in that period where you, where you left evangel was, was there just maybe take a minute or two mm -hmm. and talk, was there some fairly deep uh, issues that went on inside you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was and definitely that something you share from time to time. It is. Yeah. So kind 2013, when I flunked out of college days was um, what I mean, like when I say like that faith did not prepare me. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I really felt like I just didn't have a lot to fall back on, but I also felt like I grew up in the Bible belt there's a great expectation that if you, um, I don't want to generalize the Bible belt, but I will say a lot of the faith that I learned was very transactional with God was do the right things, get the right things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing all the right things, but I'm still getting broken up with and flunking out of college mm -hmm. and, you know, um, things that were still mostly my fault. It was an unhealthy relationship and, uh, I should have 
set healthier boundaries and I didn't. Um, I should have been a better time management and been a better student, but I wasn't. Um, but in my mind, I'm like, God's punishing me, mm. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and that led to, but also I, I moved back into my parents' basement in a town of 2000 people mm. where everyone knew what happened. I said, I grew up where everyone knows each other. And it was uh, really embarrassing, really, really embarrassing mm. to then be the kid that I was the youth worship leader. I was, you know, I was supposed to go do big things for mm -hmm. God or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get sent off by your home church and they're like, you know, you're going to go to college and you're going to change this world for God and all this stuff. And, uh, and then to flunk out and move back into my parents' basement working at Subway, um, was, was embarrassing for that for sure. And so there were definitely times where I don't, I don't know that I questioned, um, God, I guess I just kind of questioned like how, what am I supposed to be doing? Like if that wasn't it, if I, I cause I thought I was doing the right stuff. Mm -hmm. If that's not it, then what does work? Like what am I, what I didn't realize at the time and my parents didn't realize either. We've, we've since done all this work together. Um, but like I wasn't vulnerable with anybody, you know, and I was, I was almost using God as a way to, oh, I pray to God and I talk to God. So therefore I don't have to actually be close to anybody else. So, um, in any relationship I have with somebody else, I've got to be caring for them and I can't really allow them to care for me. Mm. And so that's my role is to, you know, um, how can I pray for you? Like, how can I, you know, Oh, don't worry about, it. I'm, you know, I'm fine. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and in doing that, I was kind of insulating myself. So that way, when things were falling apart, I also couldn't admit that I struggled with anything. Struggling meant that you were far from God, mm. you know, in my, no one explicitly says that either. No one, not like my pastor when I was in high school was like, you know, if you're struggling, you're far from God. But he was basically saying like, if you feel far from God, then it's because you're the one who moved, right? You know, that kind right. of stuff that sure. kind of hits different of a, oh, like God is far from me because I'm far from God. And I have, I can't admit that to anybody, Yeah, you know? And so, yeah, there's a lot of shame, yeah. a lot of embarrassment yeah. in that time. Man, I can relate, except I waited till I was 57 or 58 to, yeah. to go through that kind of experience extremely publicly. Yeah. So yeah. super big shame, super big right. embarrassment really felt like feelings, not, and I was not mentally committed to being an atheist, but yeah, felt like, like what the heck? everything, everything yeah. I'd ever taught, believed, felt like it was just gone. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I went through something like that way late. You know, I came to Christ when I was 16, mm. preached my first sermon when I was 16 or 17. Right. And I was, I was actually a kid in the, into the rec drug scene for mm. a couple, two or three years. And then I, you know, I left my sophomore year so you had like a 180 turn kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Back my junior year and started fellowship of Christian athletes at my high school. Right. Which is, right. Which is right around the corner from us here, Park Hill high school. So, okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But at any rate, so I can, I can relate to that from like, yeah. After having walked as a pastor for 40 years and then all of a sudden went through something like what you went through when you were 21. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's so interesting how different crises can hit us at, a different life yeah 
places yeah. and intersections and stuff like that. And um, my dad had a, a car accident in 2018. So I'm, I guess four years ago now. And that was something that really shook up our family. We've been in family counseling since I was a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, be, like when I switched churches, that was a big thing, you know, cause my parents were leaving their church and that was their only community, mm-hmm. but it, they didn't really have healthy friendships there. And so that's what I mean. Like when I felt like I was the spiritual charge yeah. as I started going to this youth group and then all of a sudden they were like, well, we want to go to the same church as our son. And so, um, but yeah, in 2018, my dad got in a car accident. Uh, he's fine now. He's just recovered like nothing's ever happened cause he's a, like a machine of a person. But that was a big, you know, like I, like I say, again, there's a lot of faith that works when things are going well. And then all of a sudden his livelihood is gone Mm -hmm. and, uh, he's in the hospital and it's going to be months of recovery. The faith that we carried as a family, uh, didn't work. Mm -hmm. And the understanding we had, the relationships we had with each other didn't work for that context. And so, um, I would never say I'm never one of those people that's like, wow, I'm glad that you went through that or I'm glad I went through that. (laughs) You know, we can't on the other side go, oh, that needed to happen. Yeah. Or we learned or we grew or whatever. Yeah. And those are, I don't even know if that needed to happen. That's not what I mean by that. What needed to happen was I needed to know the things I know now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it sucks that it took something like that to get there. Yeah. But then if I can take what I'm learning now and I can, you know. Yeah, you bet. Right. So, so you went through a pretty dark place mm-hmm. and yet, uh, you, you come out of that doing your first paid comedy gig. Yeah. And yeah. And did that start the ball rolling? Kind of. It really did. Cause I mean, yeah. AG is really connected. And so that was Doug Reed down at Inglewood. I don't know if you're familiar with Doug down at, he was down in independence. Okay. I don't um, know him personally, but he was yeah. a, a weird guy like him. Weird dude. And, uh, but he gave me that first opportunity, you know, it was a couple songs for the Valentine's thing. Mm-hmm. And then the AG is so well connected. He, without my prompting, just sent an email to a couple different pastors, one guy in St. Louis, a couple other in Kansas city and was like, Hey, Jaron did this stuff for our Valentine's thing. It was great. Hmm. Uh, and I got a call maybe I wasn't trying to pursue it. You know, yeah. I was working at, I was fully planning on going back to college, you know? Okay. Um, and then I had a call from a, a pastor in St. Louis who was like, Hey, we're doing a big youth event next month. Can you come do those funny songs? You know, we'll pay you 500 bucks. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll come do that. You know? Uh, and, uh, so I went up there funny songs. Yeah. And I, and I did, I did the songs and then, you know, I, I, as I kept getting booked for kind of stuff and they would bring me for their camp, you know? And, uh, I kept trying to tell some jokes in between. I was not good. wasn't good at, you know, I'm figuring out how to do comedy at paid gigs for comedy, That's which is a, not a great ideal setup, you know, yeah. but, uh, but that's what I was doing. I was learning on the job and, uh, yeah, that how was, old were you at 2014? I had just turned 20. Wow. And so my first gig was, the, was I was 19 cause it was February, it was Valentine's day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my birthday is February 23rd. So I was 19 for my first yeah. gig. And then, so we're yeah. in those early days when you're learning when you, when you're not really that good at it, but you're yeah. learning, were there moments with the audience when it clicked and you were just, yes. oh, I there like was, this. this is sweet. I, I want to lean into this. Was yes. It, did that feel like a there calling was a, of sorts? There was a definitive moment. Yeah. Um, so there was, yeah, definitely a couple of things. Like even that first show, like I remember going to my hotel, I got, I got a hotel room that night. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I, I was in my hotel room and I was, I was just like, oh, like I had just made the amount of money I make from a full week of work at Subway. 
And I was like, is this a job? Like, do people do this? And so, you know, obviously I knew people did this, but that's like famous. Right. right? right. And I was like, do people do this? Um, and there was a kind of, you know, some wheels turning of like, I don't know, I don't know if that's possible, but it'd be cool if it was. Um, and then June 12th, 2014. So I don't know, like, what is that? Four or five months later, uh, I was doing a homeless church in San Antonio. Uh, there was a, a San Antonio church that brought me down, um, again, through those connections, just mm-hmm. somebody emailed and it was like, Hey, um, so I drove down to Texas and they set up a homeless church the night before. And, uh, so what I'm doing, what does that mean? A homeless church? It's a Thursday night gathering. They do it's called church under the bridge in oh. San Antonio. Um, okay, I've heard of church under the bridge okay. type stuff. Yeah. yeah. So this is a, a big yeah. room. They get like 300 people who show up and they're there mm-hmm. for the free food. They get a free meal. Right. But it's a little bit of a, which now I look at it and I, I don't like the bait and switch kind of things. It's not bait and switch. They know what they're signing up for, yeah. but they got to sit through the, the service right, and then right. afterward they get food. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of like how they're, you know, you got to sit through this sermon. Right. We bring in a, a preacher every week and then that, right. You did comedy at Yeah. And actually the shelter didn't know that was the plan, I guess. Cause the guy was pretty ticked that we did comedy the whole time. Um, cause I had, a, I had my best friend with me and about halfway through my stuff, the guy goes, is he going to say anything about Jesus or not? <laughs> like it was, <laughs> and then Tim was like, I don't think that church told him we were comedians. That's um, and so, uh, but after that, like I did that thing, you know, people are obviously just there for the food. So like, they're not going to fake laugh with you. They're there. It's air conditioning in June in San Antonio. So it's packed, right? Cause it's an air conditioned room and there, some of them are sleeping, they're hanging out. Uh, and so for the first 10 minutes, it's like, all right. But then you're starting to get a couple chuckles and some people. And by the end we were just, we were rolling, we were having a good time. Right. And there was a lady who came up after and she said, uh, I haven't even smiled in weeks and I really needed that. Mm. And it was like that where I got in the car and, and Tim was like, man, that was really fun. And I was like, yeah, I think this is what I'm going to do. And so I went home, I bought a website. My parents gave, I told my parents, I probably wasn't going back to school. I said, would you give me any of that money that you're paying for my school? Would you give me any of that to help me start this? And so they gave me two grand. I built a website and I bought a clunker van and we, it's just been off to the races since. Wow. So wow. I really committed to it. And I was working at the church the whole time and kind of supplementing income. And yeah. even when I first moved to Kansas city, I was Uber driving and just, you know, odd jobs here and there. Huh. And then my first year when I was like full time, full time, like I didn't need to do any other jobs was 2019. Um, and then 2020 happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Ooh, crap. um, yeah, so <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've been full-time for a couple of years. I would, I would say I've been full-time the whole time. Uh, you know, the other things were just side hustles, right? side gigs. Right. Wow. So I'm, I'm so curious about all of this. This is fun. Yeah. Um, so were your initial gigs almost all churches? Yeah. Yeah. So, so first um, few years mostly or first um, year? Yeah. First the first, first couple months for sure. And then mm-hmm. once I committed to doing comedy, then I was like, well, I need to like figure out how to do comedy. Yeah. So and I so, get, so I want to hear how you actually started studying comedy yeah. as an art form. Sure, 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 sure. And how, what, what was um, that process? So I started like? watching YouTube videos of, you know, how to write jokes. Uh, and the basic way, way they did that was they were just taking, you know, famous comics, breaking down a joke that they wrote 
and kind of showing how they structured a joke. And that for me was like, I'm, I'm a natural storyteller. I'm very good at, mm-hmm. you've been around somebody who's not a good storyteller. I have. Yeah. Where they just, I they, grew up in a family of storytellers. There you though, go. So, okay. You know. <laughs> well, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, and you're a good storyteller. So, you know, when you tell a story, you save that juicy part for the end mm-hmm. or you build to the, mm-hmm. the conclusion, like, you know, you give it like all the twists and turns in the middle yeah. and then you land somewhere. Right. I hate when people give us the thing where it lands yeah. and then they try to do all twists and turns. And it's like, this isn't going anywhere. I know how this ends. Right. So I'm already like a good storyteller. Right. Just naturally. I think yeah. that's because I grew up as an only child or whatever. Um, but using that then to keep an audience attention and then build here, deliver a punchline, that kind of stuff. I had to kind of learn how to do. Mm. Um, and I think that I'm naturally decent at those things, but there was definitely like a discipline of that. One of the greater disciplines, and this is just a fun little tidbit. Yeah. Um, that, uh, me and my buddy, Tim, who was my best friend, he would travel with me at the beginning, do all those long road trips. Uh, we would be in the car and he would give me two random topics and I had to do a sentence or two to string them together. Mm. And that was how I, because you're trying to create a cohesive show. So if I've got this bit about changing a tire and then I've got this bit about cooking, Right. I want to go, you know, we're, we're twisting that tire, the, the nuts on the, on the wheel, um, almost like when you're trying to open a jar of mayonnaise, you know, and it's just stuck and you're getting it. And then I can transition into something about food. And so like, I'm, you know, how do I get from tires to mayonnaise? Let me do two sentences and get there. Mm. And and then we would just do that for, you know, hours in the car. He just give me. And so, but that's, that's like a little, it's almost like a little impromptu. It's a little exercise. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I started kind of developing things like that. Yeah. Um, and then when you're on stage, if you got to get to another joke, that's where a lot of comics, you can tell who's new. Cause they'll go. So anyway, I was doing this the other day, you know, and there's no smooth transition. Um, and that was something I wanted to get really good at. And so. Cool. I, you know, I was always, um, in the nineties, I would always show video clips, little short clips in my sermons, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, at some point we started trying to do goofy homemade videos nice. to, to splice into, you know, boring 30 minute sermons. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully not boring, but just anyway. doing whatever you I could. Yeah. The biggest sin as a preacher is to bore people. You know, sure. so I, I always tried to keep it. And there's, some that, there's so, some that are out there sinning every week. I'll well, tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Out there and uh, struggle. so the, we, we ended up having a guy land in our church mm-hmm. who did improv. Okay. Down, there was an improv place down in the river market. Yeah. In Kansas city, like in the two thousands. Okay? okay. So we'd already been doing some. Yeah. Improv was really big stuff, in the two thousands. But yeah, he, and he knew how to, he had studied comedy. He knew how to like storyboard out. Yeah. Funny. Things. Sketches. Yeah. Sketches, video clips, whatever. So he, sure. So we started doing super cheesy. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, just, I can't even think of like Fred's day off. Sure. 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 Storyboard some stupid, yeah. stupid crap or, you know, the, the church without volunteers. Well, we did that. We or, did that at know, the church I was on. Yeah. We, we did a bunch of goofy stuff. My, yeah. my pastor did a, a series on when people are pretending to be something they're not. Um, and it was when the, the Snickers commercials were really popular. It's like, you're not yourself when you're hungry. You know, He's, you know, see yeah. like those commercials. Yeah. So we did a thing where I had the headset on and walked out 
Um, and I was like, hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us at North Point this weekend. My name is Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here. And I'm obviously some idiot 20 year old kid up there. And uh, people who go every week, they're laughing. And I show up a picture of, of his family that I very poorly photoshopped my face over yeah, his, yeah. you know, and I'm like, that's my beautiful wife, Leanne and our two kids, Jenea and the other one. And, uh, and then he's walking out and going, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting ready to preach. And he goes, you're not you, you know? And he goes, isn't that painful to watch someone get up and try to be somebody they're not, you know? And so then that's what he led into his yeah. message. So he, that's what I mean. Like Jeremy is a phenomenal pastor. Um, that's my home church, but, uh, he was always really good at um, well, it's, those kind it's of things. It's fun to watch people who have studied the art of yeah. comedy yeah, and then actually, you know, know how it works. Or even just speaking. And, like, yeah, I, you right. see a good public speaker, because right. I do school assemblies and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and I've seen real bad speakers, <laughs> you know? Just, I mean, yeah. and they're, they're sticking to their notes, or they're like, you know, people are shaking, and they're doing their whole PowerPoint presentation, whatever. But when you see somebody who... Um, usually it's someone who's very confident about what they're saying, right? Or like the the material they're presenting, right. um, whether that be any kind of spiritual thing, or even if you watch the, um, I did a, a program with the anti-drunk driving stuff for high schoolers, right? And a guy who's like just genuinely passionate about lessening the number of kids who are killed in drunk driving accidents. Mm -hmm. Someone who's like passionate and interested in what they're saying, because mm -hmm. you're not going to get anybody interested in something that you're not interested in. Yeah. You know, that's where things are weird. That's right. that stuff's weird when you're watching somebody who's clearly not passionate about what they're talking about and they're just going because yeah. they're like, this is what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. And you're like, this is weird for both of us right now. Right. You know, right. you don't got to do this. So who were who were you? You were watching YouTube videos on how to break down a joke. Yeah. You were, you're you're probably In, have your favorite comedians that you probably studied as yeah. well, right? In 2010, there was okay. a, when I was in high school, yeah. this was way before I started doing comedy, ever dreamed about doing comedy. Mm -hmm. There was an MTV show called Made. You remember that? No. There's no. you could do you know what I'm talking about, man? <laughs> there was an MTV show where Made. you you could um M A D E. M A D E. Okay. You could let's say you want to be a bodybuilder. And you submit to the show and you go, I want to be a bodybuilder. Okay. Right. It's usually some overweight kid who's just like, I want to feel better about myself, kind of thing. They would pair you with a professional bodybuilder who would come to your school, surprise you, right? And then now for the next 30 days, you are training with oh, them wow. and they are, and it was like a confidence thing. It was mm -hmm. like, a, you have the ability to pursue this dream. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to, this is how I did it and all this kind of thing. You know, there was, there was girls who wanted to be like, who wanted their own makeup lines and they wanted to get into um, the beauty stuff. And so they would send a, a beautician who it was like a famous whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they would send these, these, big profile people to, um, make you, you would be made into mm -hmm. whatever that dream was. Like a makeover kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I and signed up to be made into a comedian and I wanted Dane Cook to be the comic oh, who would sweet. come. Uh, cause he was the biggest in 2010, you know, yeah. he was doing vicious circle and his Madison square garden stuff. And so, um, when you watch my stuff, there's definitely a little bit of that energy that kind of, mm -hmm. could we tell stories the same way he uses words like a, like a master, but, um, that same kind of energy and goofiness mm -hmm. is what, like, I, I just thought his comedy was great at the time. Um, he yeah. and, and Brian Regan, and then, mm -hmm. um, and then the videos that I was watching of brilliant writers were people like Louis CK and how he wrote jokes 
phenomenal joke writer. Yes. Um, but even like things down to like the hand motions that they would yes. use. And those videos were breaking down of like when he uses this soft voice and this hand motion. And I'd be like, oh, man. And, and then even when I started learning from other comics, mm -hmm. um, there's a bit that I do that's all about airdropping dead possums to people. I, pictures of I just watched it. Did you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, was so, just, I was actually just going to bring this up. Nice. Gonna, good. Yeah. So. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but even like the word boop, yeah. you know, because it has a hard P at the end. Uh -huh. When I first started doing that bit, it was, uh, it was, I thought raccoon would be a funny word, mm -hmm. you know? And so it was pictures of dead raccoons. Um, well, that is a mouthful to say. And then I changed it to, what did I do after that? A different animal. Um, but possum, the P uh, was just the funniest and it was hitting the hardest. And so part of doing comedy is this works, but it could be better. Let me try some different things. Let me, they just got to tell the audience, just, just give them the quick setup. Oh, on this uh, thing. if you have a, yeah, so you a, go to his website and watch it, but yeah, yeah if you've got yeah. a, if you've got an iPhone, there's airdrop on your phone and you can just send any picture that you want to somebody. Like who you can be sitting in an on. airport. Yeah. I was sitting there and just, you can airdrop Boop. something to somebody who doesn't know now, you. you don't do inappropriate pictures because that's like really rough because like kids will be on iPads, you know, you don't you don't need to send that stuff. But like, yeah, just pictures of, of possums just playing possum, you know, and just send that because it pops up and then they freak out and they go, who sent because they don't know mm -hmm. who sent it, you know, and you can do that. I'm saying I just like to have fun. Right. I was at Starbucks the other day and I asked the guy next to me, I said, hey, will you watch my backpack? And he was like, yeah. I said, thanks. And then I put my headphones back in and just kept working. <laughs> and then he's just sitting there and like 30 minutes later, he gets up and he's like, all right, I'm leaving. And I, and I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> so like, that's the whole, that's what I've started doing in my life yeah, is right, just, right. just having fun, yeah. you know? Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like part of comedy yeah. was I was using a different animal and a different word and yeah. just making that one little change. You remember the picture of the the, the squash dead possum roadkill. Yeah. And he's got the orange. Yeah, with the painted over him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over him and I love the yeah, pictures of roadkill with the, the get well soon balloons. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's like, that's just laziness on the road painter guy, <laughs> you know? Funny. They could have picked that up. That's dumb. Oh, man. Yeah. No, that's, but that's why Great I like stuff. comedy. That's why I like speaking is just, it's, it really is just small changes and, and you're figuring it out on the go. Mm -hmm. Like you are reading the reaction of a room and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And that's a blast. That's yeah. fun. So do you have some, uh, classics that you like to bring up over and over and how, how, how like do of you my work? jokes? Yeah. Because like, you're you're with new audiences quite regularly, yeah. but then you're posting. I'm assuming some of your a lot best of jokes. Stuff. Yeah. So how do you like? If you have some classics, how yeah. often do you bring them up? Do you do them regularly, sure. or do you then so once the you way, do something? Do you bury it for a season? You know what I'm saying. The way you like, structure a show. So when I'm doing a show, when I'm trying new material, you don't want to try like three new jokes in a row. All right, you got to have like something you know works, and so I'll do like almost every other. Of like, okay. here's something I, you know, you get the most important thing you got to have is a great opener and a great closer. Right. Right. And so it doesn't matter. Like the middle is going to have some dips and valleys. You're going to figure this stuff out when the ideal is, is when you get to recording a special, mm -hmm. you've got a full straight line across all a plus killing it. Right? right. When you're writing new jokes, that's just unrealistic. You can't mm -hmm. do that every time, you know, you're writing a joke and you, you really are having to figure out with everybody if this is funny to everyone else. Right. And so what you'll do is you got your great opener, 
you know, get get a good laugh early, and then that next bit, try something new, mm-hmm. you know. And then if that flops, you've got a good bit that follows it that you know is going to get him right back. And so, um, and you just do that back and forth until the end. And then eventually, the goal is that all of your bits are killing. Then you film that, and you're like, all right, you have to in your head mark it as done, and then you start over. And you have to find a new opener, go, great, my opener works. Then you gotta find a new closer, my closer works. Now you've got this structure, now you just start filling in the middle. And so I'm in the middle of that process right now. I just had a special come out. Okay, so so, so you, you'll you have some, you, you have, how many openers do you have right now? Like think? opening jokes? Yeah, that really are killers. Um, I've probably got, 10 different jokes that I know will crush. Okay. Like kind of cuz your opener's got to be short. You can't do a 10 yeah. minute story. That's a closer. That's a closing right. bit. Right. You know. So That's give it. us give us one. Oh man. <laughs> uh well, right now I've been opening with um <laughs> usually it, because I travel a lot, I try to open with some local stuff. I do I do a lot of small towns, I do a lot of small churches. So I just told you I'm in Holt, Missouri, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm doing their Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. It's up by Kearney. Kearney is the big town for them. So my opener there will be, and I was just talking to my manager. I was in Los Angeles last week and you know, she was like, "Where do you want to go next?" You know, Chicago, Miami. And I said, "No." Holt, Missouri, you know? <laughs> and so I'll do that. That'll get them. And I'll usually try to find something in the town. I was in Alabama and there was a, um, a guy on the street corner. Every small town has like a guy that they just assume that you're going to act like that's normal. You know, there's a guy in, um, I don't even remember which town it was in Alabama, but he's a Michael Jackson impersonator, very poor impersonator, but he's just at this gas station corner, you know, doing very bad dance moves in a full Michael Jackson get up, you know, hmm. and we drove by and no one in the car said anything about it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, do we all see the guy? And they were like, oh yeah, he's there every day. Yeah. And they're always just like, oh yeah, that's our Michael Jackson guy. And so I'll do the joke of like, you know, Holt, Missouri, and I'll, I'll, I'll make fun of the stage or something. I'll go, if they don't have, you know, black paper wrapped around the walls um, and a Michael Jackson impersonator, I'm not showing up. And then, yeah, you know, yeah. that, and then that crushes and then we're, you know, cause then it shows that I, I gave a crap about your town, you yeah. know, uh, I paid attention to where I was. Right. Um, and then I'll go into a joke that's like, um, one of my opening bits right now is talking about how my, my fiance, I'll say I'm engaged and everyone goes, Oh, you know, and I'll say, yeah, you, you can't break up with a girl who listens to true crime podcasts, <laughs> you know, because she knows too much. And I'll go into my whole bit about how she listens to true crime podcasts. Oh, and so I launch into a bit and then I'll try something new after that. I'm mm-hmm. working on some ghost stuff right now. You, you brought up aliens. I don't know if you believe mm. in ghosts, but I'm working on some, some, cause I'm getting ready to get into Halloween. So I'm doing some Halloween jokes yeah. and, um, you know, trying to structure i'm doing a whole halloween tour in utah so i'm trying to write some new bits um speaking of ghosts we oh great we're in your basement let's chill for a second (laughs) he's like speaking of ghosts this whole place dude (laughs) (laughs) yeah speaking of ghosts (laughs) like all right i'm looking we were uh you know we were doing when i was pastoring vineyard we had multiple campuses well one of the campuses was at what was called the old odd fellows home in Liberty. Okay. It's a, it was over a hundred year old home yeah. and then a children's home. Yeah. And it's, it's a vineyard, you know, place now. Sure. Uh, and so, uh, but it's known to be haunted. And, yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's a show called ghost hunters. They came out there. Yeah. They, they have to their, your church. 
to that. It was we that. It was renting that space. But for, it was yeah. It, it was a uh, doing our venue in this church. When we and first, Zach Baggins is just out there so underneath the stage looking we, around. When like we first went there, I was like, I was like, so, so do you guys bring exorcists in here every now and then? And this is the owner of the place. And he goes, well, as a matter of fact, we do. Oh my god! <laughs> and gosh. he's like, so there's a Catholic exorcist that travels with the ghost hunter crew that actually goes in and I don't, you know, so I just, does whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I was just so fascinated. Yeah. I just have an essential oils mom going. It's the same thing. It's all yeah. made up, you know? Yeah. Well, crystals. Well, I went out to uh whichever. university of St. Mary in Leavenworth. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you've ever yeah, been, out there. been out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's haunted for sure. Yeah. All right. And I know what's haunted. Cause that's the yeah. first thing the guy said to me, I walked in and he goes, Hey, you know, I'm looking around the building. Uh -huh. He goes, it's not haunted. Then I was like, nah, I, don't know. I didn't ask, you know, if you're offering that it's not haunted, mm -hmm. probably is, but there's pictures of nuns all over the wall, you know, cause it's mm -hmm. been there for, I don't know, however, yeah. hundreds of years, right. whatever, Saint Mary. but there's a poem on the wall at St. Mary. And this is not a joke. This is the part where I was like, yeah, yeah this place is haunted poem on the wall. The title of the poem is the walls at St. Mary breathe. There you go. That was the title of the poem. And it was there about how it breathes with the history of the school and all this stuff. Right. But I was like, yeah, yeah, but it breathes, you know, with the lungs of ghosts yeah when you go these cathedrals over in europe you know and they bury all the dudes yeah. under the floor of the church and you're just like of course great. there's love this <laughs> love this this is good no but you know so yeah. that's the thing is i'm you know net right now i'm trying to write a whole new bit about my neighbor believing in ghosts and uh um and so it, it's not Right now I have like a skeleton of the bit. That's funny that I said skeleton. But I mean like I've got like a, that's how you you have like your your bones of it and mm -hmm. then you just gotta add the flesh and yeah. make it a full. Yeah. It's like a little baby. Yeah. You Fun know? stuff. So let, let's just give folks, how, to, how are they gonna, how are they gonna find out? Oh how yeah, they yeah. Watch. How um, they connect. Easiest way if you yeah. can't if you can't remember how to spell my name, easiest way is just to Google Chick Fil A rap. Like I said, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be the first thing that pops up. Um, but yeah, JaronMyers.com has a link to all my comedy specials and um, at Jaron Myers on Instagram, TikTok, all that fun stuff. Uh, I post pretty regularly. Um, how often do you do a show in Kansas City or in the Kansas City surroundings? Um, probably like once a quarter. I'd say once a, okay. you know, every couple months I'll do a show. It's hard to do. It's really hard to get people out to local shows, you know, because it's much easier. If I'm doing a show in Denver, it's like this guy came all the way from Kansas City, you know. Right. And if I do a show here, it's like he came from the Northland, you right. know, and it's like, right. all right. But um, yeah, so we do. But we do a we do a podcast um, called Things Over Last Night things I learned last night. Mm -hmm. I say it so fast. Sorry. Uh, T I L L N yeah, Tillin. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, my best friend teaches me something every week. And okay. so obviously if you're listening to this or watching this, you're a podcast listener. So maybe you'd enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but we're getting ready to do monthly live shows here in Kansas city for our podcast. Oh, sweet. And so that'll be a way to come hang out. And, uh, where are you going to do that at? Um, the a... barrel of the bottoms is where the plan is right now. It's in the West bottoms. Okay. Um, it's a comedy venue, very small. It's honestly about the size of this basement room. Okay. And so they got a little stage in the corner. You can fit maybe 25, 30 people oh, in there. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's very, fun, yeah. yeah, it's gonna be a blast. Yeah. And so, um, our last live show, we sold it out at the Rhino, um, and had people driving eight hours to come to this thing. Sweet. So, um, yeah, we just have a lot of fun. Good deal. Um, and I'm having a blast. Good stuff. Well, thanks. I love your sense of humor. I, Thank you. I've gone through a whole lot of your uh, stuff that you have posted up yeah. on YouTube and um, 
man, I just, I, I enjoy it. I do think, I do think laughter is healing mm -hmm. the right times in the right place. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes we laugh and we cry at the same time mm -hmm. and, and there's, and, the, and, and, and it can be so healing for people. And yeah. I, I think sometimes just giving people a space to see themselves yeah. from an, from a humorous angle, they've never viewed it that way before. Right. All of a sudden they're, they're laughing, they're laughing at themselves, they're laughing yeah. at their friend, their neighbor, their spouse, their kid. I'd also say that laughter is a little bit of a barometer for where you're at and your, you know, mental or spiritual health or whatever is that, man, the times that I'm taking myself the most serious mm. and I'm just not able to let go and yeah. laugh. I almost like, have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you're just like angry at other people's joy and you just realize like, oh, yeah. oh that's jealousy. Like I'm yeah. seeing them experience a lot of yes. joy and I'm just not having a lot of yeah. it. And that's really, your joy is actually making me pretty angry, you know? <laughs> and so, but it's a really good barometer of if I haven't like belly laughed in a minute, mm. um, maybe I need to take a second and kind of like look at what's going on, Yeah, you know? Cause I, I started looking for fun and I've been, uh, trying to pay more attention to joy and opportunities for fun around me. Mm -hmm. And it's there all the time. It is. And so if you're not experiencing it, it that's a you problem. It is. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I, I'll tell you something just real quick. Sure. Is that like, you know, I've been in the recovery world for about three years now. Yeah. And there, there was a time at that dark place three, three years ago or so when I, it was hard to laugh. Yeah. Right. But I got in these recovery circles mm -hmm. and there's these folks that have, the, some of the craziest folks have been the doing the work planet, for a long time, but they've been doing the work for the planet mm -hmm. and they're so honest yes, and vulnerable Yep, that there's genuine, they're leaking. There's genuine comedy yes. that yes. Like, there, there were times when I go, Oh, I wish I could record this. And yeah. It. Cause they're, I mean, they're just being them. Well, because but you're, it's like laughing is inherently vulnerable. You're not yeah. going to let anybody see you snort laugh. If you're very concerned with how they see exactly. you, you know, and that it is, it's and then and that's why I love doing what I'm doing is whether yeah. it's at a church or a comedy club, the yeah. whole point is that we're laughing and it brings us together. And yeah, the people who do the introspective work, the people who yeah. really dive into the really difficult things. Some people want to want to think that joy and fun are surface level, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and sure, there can be some avoidance, you know. Yeah. But true joy is at the like through yeah. the bottom of the depths. Yeah, there's a line in the big book of yeah. AA. It says, "We are not a glum lot." Yeah, and and it's because you you jump into these halls where people have found some healing and sobriety yep. and all that, and they've gone through some of the deepest, darkest things, but they come out with laughter. Yeah. Yeah. And they can laugh themselves and they can, you know, and so, and it's, it's something that kind of surprises people because people will come in at their very bottom. Yeah. Right. They're coming into the place where they can't laugh. They can't laugh. Yep. And they see other people around them laugh. Like they're not, you're not, you don't expect to go into one of these places and like mm -hmm. see people laughing. Yeah. And they are. There's, and that's the hope of what I, what I yeah. hope that my friend group can be for people who show up in our friend group. Yeah. Um, that I hope that our Christian community can be, that I would love our churches to be. Right. Um, right. Is, man, there's such vulnerability and depth here that there is just an inherent joy. It is. Um, it works. <laughs> yeah. 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 And if that's not there, that's what I'm saying. It's a good barometer of, of health. Yeah, of, I agree. Well, great stuff, Jaron. Thank you so much for joining us on yeah. Spirituality Adventures. I don't and, have a choice. It's in his basement. Right. I'm locked here. Right. With the ghosts. So, so anyway.
<laughs> the ghosts Thanks for of joining us. Guests past. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. Two years, a hundred interviews right now. There you go. At that. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.